This is episode 23 of The Modern Recordist. This is the podcast where we explore how to design and live your life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we sit down with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to learn exactly what we have to do and who we have to be to create meaning and live out our artistic visions. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer, engineer, collector of experiences, lifelong learner, lifelong teacher, and artistic visionary in my own right, and I I welcome you today to episode 23. This is another 90-minute episode with an in-studio guest. Today I've got an old friend of mine, Brad Sample, hanging out. This is going to be awesome. Uh, We're going to talk, as we usually do, touch on a lot of awesome, inspiring things, see what uh, what we can learn, and uh, yeah, just generally have a good time, so it's going to be great. Dude, thanks for being here. This is Heck awesome. yeah, man. Looking haven't, forward to it. haven't seen you in a while, and yeah. uh, this is going to be a great way to catch up. Yes, sir. So as usual, we play in with the song, and uh, let's not uh, make today any different. Let's just, uh, let's hit it. Let's uh, let's play a song, Sounds and then we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Jam us in, man.
man. Thanks, dude. That was dude. awesome, man. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, uh, it was a good time. Yeah, man. Dude, thanks again for being here. This is going to be great. Totally. You know, My pleasure. Um, you've, got, uh, you've got a lot going on these days, I know, just uh, from what um, you know, I, I see here and there. And, yeah, you know, totally. Super busy dude, and I really appreciate you taking time to drop in and hang out today. Yeah, man. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. It'll be a it's good cool. time. cool. Yeah. I've been uh, kind of going back and forth for a couple of weeks, seeing what would work as you've been kind of getting on the road and stuff like that. So you got a lot going on. And um, yeah, we haven't caught up proper, and it's a great way to do it. Right. And I look forward to being able to do that. Um, so yeah, man, what what was uh, what was that we just heard? Okay, so that was uh, Run With Bulls. I was in a rock band for you know about four or five years, I think from 2007 to about 2012. And that was our second re- from our second record called Feed the Machine. It was a song called Don't Close Your Eyes. And it was kind of the single that we were pushing and playing and stuff like that and and um, we cut that in 2010 at uh where's valley in the smoky mountains killer. Um, yeah with our managers a blast we just yeah man. live in a big room and had a big old time man killer yeah that's awesome yeah that band i remember um at the time because around that time i was doing some work um more kind of like you know, production work, but also being getting involved with bands. Yeah, was that of, with the Mother Father? Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the Mother Father yeah, days, we play, we did a bunch of uh, yeah, uh, so runs with them. Yes, yeah, so yeah. we were putting on some shows together. I remember, yeah. like, yeah, that, I remember that 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 time period was awesome. Like, you guys were just like smashing it, man. It yeah, was that, it was a good time. That, yeah. that you know, it was a super fun band. We had we had great managers that were um, really in our corner and and helped out a lot. And it was one of those funny situations where just like. You know, we tried and tried and tried and pushed and pushed and and um and everybody seemed to really really love it, but they they didn't really know what to do with it. You know, and it mm-hmm. was funny. I remember when when it kind of all ended, I was super bummed and just crushed. I mean, it was like you know five years of my life. I, you know, I quit my real big boy adult job mm-hmm. to to do that basically mm-hmm. full time mm-hmm. and all of my money and all my time into this thing, and and it ended. And it took me like a year to get over it but i you know i kind of realized that it wasn't a big throwaway like i had uh-huh. thought it was a big throwaway it was actually still a really great thing and and honestly those songs you know still get played a lot and they yeah. still you know they still make money from them and they still end up on commercials and all kinds of stuff yeah. so like it's been nice to see it now in hindsight as more of like a um, a really, really great time and a really cool experience yeah. with some of my best buds in the world instead of just like a failure. Like right, I kind of sure. thought it was yeah, yeah, yeah. in the beginning. Dude, you know? I can really identify yeah. with what you're talking about. Um, yeah, because, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, I went and sort of raised some money or, or and or put in some of my own money and like time. And, like, right. This is some of the stuff that I was doing, you yeah. know, and these ideas that I had. And uh we went somewhere like some cool things happened, but yeah. like did what, what we really kind of like had hoped what we'd set out, what, what we wanted the result to be. Right. Did you turn into the biggest rock stars yeah, in the world? Right, like yeah, you thought right, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't really that. And so like, yeah, coming off of that, like, yeah, I've dealt with, there's been similar kind of things that I've dealt yeah. with, but yeah. in the, in the end you just, yeah, to walk away with like this perspective of like, okay, but what, what did I gain from that? Like, right. Like, it's not like all is lost. Like, like, did I, like I didn't gain anything from it. Yeah. You gained things from it. Right. So. Yeah, totally, man. So that was run with bulls and we had a, about a four year run. You know, we did a ton of fun stuff, man. We played ACL fest. We played a bunch of really big festivals. As a matter of fact, we toured all over the place, basically saw, 
you know, pretty much the whole entire United States. And um, that's killer. And, you know, got to tour with Joan Jett and play a bunch of really great yeah. TV shows and do all kinds of fun stuff. And like I said, you know, make a couple of really fun records in the process, write songs all the time, live in super killer places, meet great people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, and honestly, most of my career now is a result of relationships that I made during that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we did that thing for a while and, and, um, and our man, you know, we were having, um, different offers that were happening and coming to us in, in ways that didn't make sense to me. It was right when like the, you know, I, I think most of your audience is going to be people that are actively in music. So I hope mm-hmm. I don't, um, alienate anybody, but, but you know, the 360 deal thing was like mm-hmm. just starting to happen yeah. when we, um, when we, got uh got started getting a bunch of attention yeah. from labels and stuff and that was all we were getting offered and our managers were just like geez this is terrible man mm-hmm. <laughs> like what you know what, what are we gonna do with this yeah and you know like if we would have known that that was basically gonna be the only thing that was gonna be happening for the next you know even still today now you know like six seven years later we probably would have thought about it differently but yeah. at the time it was just such a terrible deal and terrible idea yeah that we didn't go with any of it and when it came down to it it was just like there was no real way to make it happen for us and our managers we we all decided to kind of part ways and we tried to go it alone for a while mm-hmm. but um it just uh you know it was a little bit a little bit too too much didn't really know what we were doing you know yeah. we were young there were a lot of mistakes that we made in the beginning but like i said man you know looking back on it now it was so fun and we had such a great time you know there was a lot of heartache in it but mostly it was just absolutely a great experience mm-hmm. from front to back mm-hmm. you know two of my and in fact i'm going to up to louisville next week oh geez a week and a half from now november 3rd and me and the guys are, are playing oh, up, cool. up there in uh okay in louisville so a little Killer. run run with bulls hang fest show i think yeah. we're like opening up for somebody we're playing 30 minutes or something okay. like that but we haven't fun. yeah we haven't done yeah. it in three years so awesome it, yeah it should be a big old time I'm, yeah. I'm excited about it but yeah so that was so we did that and then after uh, Run with Bulls ended in I guess this was would have been 2012. Um, I had um, I had started touring with with people. One of the first uh, real gigs that I had was with a um, a guy named Ray Hughes, who was a bluegrass artist, and I was playing acoustic guitar for him. And then um, a girl named Carrie Roberts, who is a, a CCM pop singer. Okay, and I started playing for her. Uh, kind of pretty much full time like towards the end of Run With Bulls when we weren't having a lot of mm-hmm. dates that were filling the calendar up and then when we quit I went full time into just being a gunslinger for a couple years um, and uh, you know played for Carrie for a while and then I went out with a guy named um, Brett Eldridge for a while and then went out with a guy named Chuck Wicks and then a gal named Meg Lindsay mm-hmm. and then a guy named Michael Ray for the majority of last year. And right now I'm um, playing and MDing for a girl named Brooke Eden on cool. Broken Bow. So she's getting ready for yeah radio tour. And those are, and, those are some, some notable names there. Yeah. Yeah, really, man. Yeah. yeah all cool. Stuff, all cool man. guys, good gals. And, and, uh, and it's, you know, the, I've been real fortunate and super blessed to just have, you know, friends that have put in good words for me mm-hmm. and, and make some good relationships. And like I said, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, shoot. So the gal uh, on that track, the the backup singers were. Uh, oh, and I forgot about that. That was that was the first real gig that I had. Those gals that were singing on that recording um, were a, a girl group called Kimber Rising, and I was their guitar player. For, okay. That was like the first actual not band gig that I had, like getting hired to play for somebody. 
And Danielle Cruz, who's one of the best singers I've ever known in my life, she was roommates with Carrie Roberts and mm-hmm. my now girlfriend, uh, Rebecca. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, so you know, started started playing, made that relationship, then started playing for Carrie. And, um, and like I said, through the run with Bull stuff, just was able to connect with a lot of people. Like, um, I met uh, a buddy of mine, Tyler Kane. I think you know Tyler, guitar player for yes. the Wailing Kane. Also, like, yes. big and rich. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I've known him a little while, I think, maybe from uh, Belmont days. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, so I met Tyler through being, you know, playing with Run with Bulls back okay. when, when him and Kyle Whalem and Justin Meeks were doing the Tyler and Kyle thing. Yeah. And, um, and, Tyler recommended me for a bunch of, I mean, geez, like three gigs, I think that I've gotten in the last cool. five or six years. And, and, um, so like, like I said, because of, because of the run with bulls thing, I was able to meet a lot of these people and just kind of start building a career as a, as a player. And, um, and that's been a blast, man. I love traveling. I love being on the road and the gigs just kind of keep getting, you know, better. Fortunately, I haven't, you know, made a total jerk of myself <laughs> quite yet, you know, like not to say that it won't happen sometime, but, um, well, you if know, you haven't, if if you haven't, like you know, one would argue if you haven't met, at some point made a complete jerk of yourself, then you haven't yet stepped into your legitimate career. Right, you know right, I mean? right. Well, now, now, I guess I should say, like, I I don't think I've done anything quite so reprehensible that everybody wants to forget right. that I yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had some doozies for sure. Yeah, but uh, but no, I, you know, it's it's been really, really great, and and um, and the gig that I'm that I'm on right now is a freaking blast, man. Brooke is a great singer, and. And her whole team, like her management and the label, they're all really good and seem to be behind her. And it's stuff that I like playing, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in this in this world, you know, it's I think it's just like anything. It's funny. I was looking at, um, I was reading about uh, Frank Lloyd Wright and um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name right now. Andy Warhol uh-huh. a little bit ago, like early in their career. Well, and Frank, Fra- well, Jesus, we, we don't need to get all the way into this, but Frank Lloyd Wright had like a bunch of really hilarious stages of his career where he was like the man when he designed it what was it the international hotel in um tokyo and then like people forgot about him for like 40 years and all that stuff so all that to say um you know two of my favorite artists ever in the world had to do pretty crappy work here and there you know like warhol was doing all this print stuff that he hated and and frank lloyd wright was designing government housing for like a hot minute just to like pay bills and stuff yeah and uh so that all that to say like you know, sometimes you just have to man up and do your job yep. and, and do stuff that you don't really like doing. Right. And um and you know, but fortunately in the last couple of years it's been really great to get to play stuff that's a lot of fun. I really yeah, like playing that's you get killer. to be pretty creative and have a good time with it. So That's killer, man. I, I really like that and I'm glad that you touched on that because that is a place when it comes to um creative sort of like creative artistry and mm-hmm. the way that that we make our living and the way that you know the kind of things that uh, my audience concerns themselves with um that idea of um you know you've got these huge larger than life people like Andy Warhol and right. you know, and, and people and but there's times when you know sometimes maybe you you, it's it's not all about always doing this sort of like it's not like everything that they touch turns to gold or something. Oh yeah, you know totally, I mean? totally. Well, and and so, a lot of them, very little of it turned to mm-hmm. gold. Well, like when you look, especially somebody like Andy Warhol. I mean, well, and the the guy, one of my favorite artists ever is Van Gogh. Like when you look at the insane amount of of material they made, like Van Gogh was doing something like twelve sketches a day and basically making a a painting a day. Now, obviously, there's impressionism and that stuff could happen mm-hmm. pretty quickly. But I mean, he was living it a hundred percent all the time, every mm-hmm. day. And you know, like your average 
person knows what Starry Night. You know, they know that he right. did Starry Night. Yeah. And like then the church at Alvaro. That's two paintings yeah. of like the thousands of paintings yeah. this guy did in his life. The same with Andy Warhol. He had a prolific career, but you know, you know, you know the tomato, the tomato soup can sitting on mm-hmm. the, you know, against that red backdrop and the weird Marilyn Monroe thing that he did. Yeah, that's about it. That yeah. like a normal human being knows. Yeah. And uh, the, yeah, I always think of like the four. Um, what do you call it? Where it's like it's like the repeating. It's like one image, but it repeats four times in like different mm-hmm. color schemes. You yeah, know? I forget. I forget what yeah. they actually did call that sequencing. Yeah. But he yeah. was the one. You know, obviously a lot of other people did that, but he was the one that made it most famous. Yeah. But yeah, like it. I mean, it is real artists that make a huge and lasting impact. The volume of what they do is extraordinary. Like it's just stupid how much, um, how much they actually do create and how much we know mm-hmm. you know like if you're a fan or something like that you really dig into what they're doing but you know as far as like the ubiquitous you know normalcy of what everybody sees all the time and stuff mm-hmm. like that like you know it's really not that much i was what was i was listening to this podcast a couple of days ago um it had the righteous brothers and i th- think it's uh, love and feeling that love and feeling is mm-hmm. the most played song ever in history on the radio like oh really AM, yeah AM or fm radio how about huh. that right wouldn't you like to have been on that code, yeah. right? Um, but, but yeah, so that's the most played song ever. And it's funny because you listen to it and it, it doesn't make any sense, especially then. It was like a four and a half minute song mm-hmm. that Phil Spector actually lied on the record cover and, and it, it says three minutes and 50 something seconds. Oh, really? Yeah, because he didn't want DJs to be afraid to play yeah, it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it was the B side of the record. It wasn't supposed to be the um, the, the radio single. It, they just had the, the, yeah. the material to press, so they did. And... Um, but like you know, you you think about a band like the Righteous Brothers, and they're they're again just iconic, you know, like crazy band, and people know two songs that they've done, yeah. and they have a, a cat, you know, discography that's eighty, ninety, hundred, two hundred right. songs deep. Right, right. So I think you know, there that 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 idea is 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 multi. It's twofold. I think there's like the aspect of it that's like you gotta every once in a while just man up. And do stuff that you mm-hmm. don't like. I oh, mean, mm-hmm. I remember like a couple of years ago. This would have been, this was like the breaking point for me. I, I would, you know, Rome of Bulls was over. I, I really did. I was in a place where I did not want to be like creating anything. I didn't want to be like. It was such a stress to me. I worked so hard in Rome of Bulls mm-hmm. for so long, and and felt the weight of it so heavily that like just being told what to do and like being a guitar player was really appealing to me. Uh-huh. But it it was it was tough like you know i would get a gig and then you know the season would end and you know that gig maybe wouldn't come back or something like that and so i got offered this um this gig and it was like a bar gig and i hadn't played a 10 to 2 in so long yeah but um i was talking to my girlfriend about it so when you say 10 to 2 just so that oh i'm sorry yeah so like you know like a regular club gig or something like that would be you'd start at 10 p.m and you wouldn't finish until 2 a.m you know Mm -hmm. you'd play geez 15 songs almost 60 songs sometimes in a night yeah and you never know what somebody's gonna yell out it might you know they might yell out some old freaking crazy you know don watson song that you've never heard before but you yeah. have to try and make it sound as good as you can and yeah you know it's playing having drunk guys scream out free bird at you all night long yeah. it's just like so these are like taking gigs at like at like honky tonks yeah and sort yeah of, okay this was a so this one i hadn't done it in a long time i did the lower broad thing for a hot minute and it, i you know, it was a nice way to make some money. It was a nice way to get chops up right when Run With Bulls stopped, you know, just to fill in the gaps and, you know, and like pay bills. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but it, it really wasn't for me. Some guys really love it, but I, I, I didn't. 
And um, but if you know the catalogs, it's a great way to make money. Yeah. And so I was. Um, it was in between seasons. I, I was, you know, really frustrated because I didn't have a gig coming up. I think this would have been, like I said, coming into 2013 or something like okay. that. And um, and I just needed some money. And this guy called. He said, "Hey, man, I'm doing an East Coast run." I think he was going to give me like 500 bucks or something like that mm-hmm. for the weekend. It was like three or four gigs and, and, uh, and he sent me a set list. And I was like, yeah, I know a couple of them, blah, blah, blah. And I really did not want to do this. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, I, 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 he didn't tell me, but I had in my head like a crappy minivan and a trailer or something yeah, like that. They're yeah. going to be traveling in and, and, uh, you know, that just didn't sound appealing to me at all. And I was talking to my girlfriend about it and she was like, well, do you have anything else to do? And I was like, no, not right. I really wanted to say yes, that I, you know, yeah. I, I was about to make something up, but she just kind of said, she said, you know, at a certain point you need to decide whether or not this is really what you want to do. And then you have to take the good with the bad. Hmm. And that hit me so hard. Just like, you know, like, okay, am I going to be a man about this and decide, well, not even a, a man. Am I, am I going to be a professional about this an mm-hmm. adult and decide that I, I actually want to do this thing as a career and take work that is legitimate, mm-hmm. or am I going to be kind of a snob about it and say like, "Oh man, that's not good enough," and then potentially never get the work that I think is yeah. actually going to be cool? Right. So, so I did the gig, and it was awful. Like there mm-hmm. was almost no redemption about it. The only mm-hmm. redemption was we ended up in um, Delaware, I guess, at one point. I think that's where it was, where the, wherever the Dogfish Head Brewery was. Okay. And we got to hang out at Dogfish Head and then jam with the band there, which was a blast. Okay. So I got to like you know, go to the well of one of my favorite, you know, breweries on the yeah, planet and hang yeah. out there. But that was the only good thing about it yeah. was, was, was that night after we had already gotten done playing. Yeah. And, um, and it was absolutely terrible. And I don't know if it was like providential or if, you know, the, the good Lord was looking down on me for taking one for the team or whatever. The universe just like smiled at the attitude that I had taken from my girlfriend about that. But seriously, after that weekend, um, not to say that I've never had to take a, take a gig that I didn't want to, but after that run, um, I, it's been pretty much gravy ever since Killer, then. Man. Yeah, like it was, it it really did turn into a a turning point for yeah. me at, at that moment. It was like, yeah. okay, I'm just gonna do this, and and it was funny because I don't know if it was that 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 gig was so bad that it raised the bar for bad gigs ever. But even on gigs where I'm not super pumped about it, I can still find a way to really enjoy playing guitar sure you know yeah um and so so there, there's that aspect of it and then there's also the creative side of it where like if you're gonna say that you want to you know whatever be a songwriter or be a painter or be an architect or, or be whatever you know if mm-hmm. you want to be a creative ba- bank teller i don't know like mm-hmm. whatever your profession is but we're talking about music here so say you want to be a songwriter or a producer or something like that if you're not writing songs and you're not producing you're not a songwriter or a producer. Right. You know, and I don't say, um, I say this to myself as much as anybody sure. else because there was a long time when I called myself an artist where I wasn't doing anything. You know, mm-hmm. I was literally just like getting sent tracks, learning the, the tunes, and then going on the road and playing mm-hmm. guitar. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a guitar player, and that's fine, man. If that's what you do and you want to be freaking Brent Mason and kill it, go for it. But like, you got to define that and find your ha- you know, like the place where you can be happy in yeah. it. And I wasn't happy doing that. And so, um, you know, like I started, uh, looking at these, you know, men and women that I feel like shaped the culture in such a dramatic way. Guys like Andy Warhol okay. and like, um, you know, even some of my favorite 
the singer, it was funny, like Pat Benatar is a, is a gal that I really love the way she sings, right? Mm-hmm. And, she, and in a weird way, she really changed a landscape for like female rock singers that were coming up through the 90s. Alanis Morissette probably wouldn't happen if it wasn't for Pat mm-hmm. Benatar. So many of those great chick singers probably wouldn't have happened there. Mm-hmm. And you look at what they were doing and they were just grinding all the time, mm-hmm. every day. And it seems like they have these explosive careers where it's just like, bam, all of a sudden, you know, there's whoever, there's Andy Warhol, there's Pat Benatar, yeah. there's, I don't know, Billy Ray Cyrus. You know, the reality is, is Billy Ray Cyrus was playing every freaking VFW from, you know, Bakersfield, California to New York City. Yeah, doing whatever he had yeah, to, ta- for to ten, do. Yeah, for 10 years yeah. until all of a sudden it blows up for him, right? Yeah. So anyway, you know... Uh, that aspect of it was one that hit me really, really hard a couple, uh, you know, on the tail end of of me just being tired of, of like racking my creative brain all the time. It's just like, man, you're not actually creating anything. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to call yourself this, you got to start doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, so at that point, really got back into writing songs, really got into making records and, and, and really tried to pursue that. And I... I realized how easy it is for a road musician to be just completely forgotten as a like an in-town asset, you mm-hmm. know, a, a studio cat or a producer yeah. or a writer or whatever. Yeah. So I tried to start um I've got a couple of really great friends that are, you know, you know, pretty heavy in the studio world. Yeah, we got Tyler, Bobby Holland. Yeah, we got a, a bunch of mutual friends. Yeah, 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 yeah so. totally. So I, you know, I, I started just kind of hanging out with those guys as much as I yeah. could. I'm going to probably end up having each of those guys on the oh, show dude, at some point. Oh, dude, do yeah, it, man. Yeah. Bobby is awesome, yeah, and yeah. Tyler's, gr- he's just a great hang, but yeah, yeah. yeah. They're killer, man. Um, and they've both been, you know, like, it's the same thing. It's just been this steady upward climb for them. They're both doing great stuff right now. But so many of those guys that, you know, like, I was looking at them and going, okay, like, I'm liking where I am right now, but I definitely don't want to only be that guy that's, like, stuck on, you know, like, that has to be on the road for the rest of his life yeah. to pay bills. Like, that's not... You know, I like it and it's really fun, but, you know, the idea of being 40 and, you know, having to go on the road, not just like, oh man, that sounds like a fun tour. Let's do it. You know, it's like the thing that mm-hmm. you have to do to make your, pay yeah. your bills all the time. Yeah. I didn't really want that. So, yeah. um, you know, I started really trying to write some songs again. I got hooked up with a friend of mine who um, was, you know, a, a big dog at a, at a sync licensing company and, um, and me and my buddy Adam Bokesh, who's a fantastic producer, started um just doing kind of grunt work for mm-hmm. these um you know commercials and it was funny because w- when he first started saying like hey man you got you guys would be a great asset for this company i was like oh god i don't want to make songs for commercials i yeah. don't want to like that just sounds t- like jingles and stuff Are you yeah, kidding me yeah but like fortunately right now in that world everybody wants really cool stuff yeah so we were getting to like it was kind of fun. I hadn't really been writing songs for a long time. I definitely hadn't been doing any co-writes. And shoot, man, I hadn't, I hadn't produced anything since we made you know the, all the Run With Bulls records. Yeah. I, I'd helped out on a couple of friends' little EPs and stuff like that. But all of a sudden, it's like, you know, I said yes. I submitted a bunch of songs that I had already recorded. And they started using them like crazy. Cool. And then we need like we were getting inquiries every day, like requests cool. all the time. And so cool. it was like going from zero to a thousand. So when you said you submitted songs that you mm-hmm. had already written, was this stuff like um was it some Run with Bulls stuff? Yeah, or? it was okay. about it, it was uh all the Run with Bulls catalog that I, that I solely owned, basically. Okay. Like um, you know, we tried to co write as much as we could, but most of it, you know, I, I wrote 
and and produced it. So so all the stuff that um, that I owned outright, I uh, submitted to them. You know, you have, to, you have to submit like the track and like low res and high res, and then you have to submit a um, what was it? Uh, an instrumental track and I think a radio track as well, which is basically just like the backing vocals in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why they make you submit a radio track. I just think it's like mm-hmm. p- part of the deal. Mm-hmm. So submitted all that stuff and then some other stuff that I just kind of recorded throughout my um, life and it started getting used, which was great. And um, But then because of that, they started sending me and my buddy Adam requests on the regular. Yeah, yeah. And um, And so it was like, hey, we got this... Um, this jingle, they want it to be kind of like Florence and the Machine. You know, we want a, a chick singer, but it could be a guy if the thing was right. You know, a song has to be about this, this, and that. And it was like, it was like the distillation of being, you know, sitting in a, um, you know, a co-write with somebody because like, you know, you're kind of trying to decide like, okay, do I want a song like this or do I want a song like that or whatever? And they just tell you and you got to do it in like mm-hmm. five hours, mm-hmm. you know, and like yeah, yeah. send them an idea that they can pitch yeah. to this company. yeah. And, um, you know, we, we got a couple and we didn't get a couple and, you know, it's just, it's a total crapshoot. You don't know, you know, like if, if they're going to absolutely love it, if they're going to absolutely hate it. And the first couple of times it was really frustrating because it was like, you know, I'm thinking I'm sending them the coolest thing they're ever going to hear and they go, "Eh," you know, like, this is okay, you know, like, but maybe try this or try that. So when you, when you're, when you're going back and forth with the powers that be, is that usually, uh, is it sort of like it's a committee of folks like, well, so like the way that this company works, it's a company called the music bed. And if anybody's out there, I encourage you to look them up. They don't take everybody and they obviously have people that like, you know, check out stuff, but they're all great. Super, super cool guys. And it's, they started it up with micro syncs, um, for, and I'll I'll just make this really quick, but it was a micro sync company because the guy saw a hole in the indie film and like YouTube short film market. Okay. Because basically like, you know, six, five, six years ago, you know, if you were an indie filmmaker, you would basically either have a budget that you could get almost no real music on, mm-hmm. or you would just put whatever you want on there in hopes that you were going to make money before someone found out that you did it and told yeah. you to take their music yeah. off their movie. Yeah, okay. You know? So this guy was kind of like, I think they're out of Austin and Dallas, and he was like, Nick Karoff, I think is his name, and he said, you know, man, I've got all these friends that are making this great stuff, and if these indie filmmakers and like YouTube short makers knew about it, then I'm sure they'd love to have this stuff. So we basically built a platform to where the, it kind of connected those two sides, and it's, cool. become, it's become way bigger than that. So at this point. and so you said micro sync. Explain what that is. So for a, a, a micro sync is something like if you're say you're getting married or whatever, and you you know are going to hire like a, a you know a real film crew to shoot your wedding. Mm-hmm. They're not going to just throw on like we said, Unchained Melody or something like that because they know they're going to get in trouble for it. Yeah. You know, ASCAP or BMI, whoever is going to call and be like, hey, you got to stop putting all these songs on there without paying us. So what you can do is you can get on, you know, if you're the whatever filmmaker or bride or whatever, you can get on this um, website and they say, hey, you know, for a one-time fee, you can you can basically buy a song for like 30 bucks, which is way cheaper than you yeah. can ever do it. And, um, and like I said, that was what they started out doing. And, and a bunch of people would do that. Like if you were doing a short film that you were going to play publicly at like four events, you would, you know, buy four usages of, okay. of X amount of songs. And that is a gotcha. micro sync. Okay. And so they, uh, legisl- well, I say legislate, they, uh, the music bed basically like 
controls all of that stuff. And if they see that you're, you know, using it more and more, the film gets picked up by whatever it puts into syndication or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then they negotiate that contract afterwards, okay. and it turns into a real full-time sync license where they're buying it for X. That's pretty of cool. Time. And so what? Yeah. yeah, this is. I think this would be a really good. I'm gonna maybe write this down and, yeah, and do put it, it in the show notes because I think it'd be a really good resource for. Oh, like some I said, folks out there, it's great. They, you know, like definitely if you're if you're looking to get into that world, submit. It's always worth it to submit. They don't use everything. Thing, but yeah. they're real cool guys and I've, so what's it what is the the music bed okay um and i think the website is just the music but but yeah look up the music bed cool. they're, they're super super cool, cool and real helpful in that regard sweet yeah but yeah so as far as like the back and forth on that goes um you know it, it, it's the more that i've done that um you get better at like deciding okay they say they want the, and you know the 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 direct requests that you get are usually for a lot bigger than a you know like a a, a micro sync. They're not going to bother you to make a whole entire track for you know forty bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So these would be like you know big commercials or whatever and stuff like that. So the thing that I've had to realize is you know a lot of these you know guys in suits and stuff like that in offices are saying they want. X. They're saying they want a song that sounds just like the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Well, I would make a song that sounds just like the Rolling Stones, and they go like, "Oh man, it's really ruckus and pretty lo-fi." You know, like it doesn't really. Yeah. And you got to think like, okay, they're saying they want this to sound just like Brown Sugar or whatever, but they don't mean that. They yeah. just mean they want it to like have some, some similar sort of the essence yeah. of it is just there, but yeah. they want the sort of like maybe the updated version exactly. of it or something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that that was a little bit of a learning curve, and that took a second, and that. So now I guess to to say all that like our back and forth is a is is a lot shorter because usually I can go like okay they're totally not liking this direction at all and it's just not worth it for me to I'll just like put that song up on the website and leave it to whoever is going to grab it and move on to the next or it's like oh okay they just want this little thing tweaked okay and usually like a we you know me and Adam can make up our minds like this isn't worth messing with anymore or Oh yeah, we know exactly what they want now. So how long, how much experience did it take for you to get to that point where you could sort of read it like real quick like that? Uh, man, honestly, so my connection to that company is was a guy named Adam McCants. He, I don't think he's working for him anymore, but it took um, me and him co-writing a jingle for uh, for a company, um, and him basically just kind of like he wasn't browbeating me at all, but he was just like, you know, he didn't have a lot of time. And he was like, you know, cut into the bone every single time. Like, no, this is not going to work. No, that's not going to work. This mm-hmm. is what we got to do. So, you know, potentially without like that short, you know, kind of um, happenstantial get together when he was in town, I might still be figuring it out. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it was just, you know, seeing him always being on the end. He's the one that makes the, was the one that was making the pitches. Mm-hmm. So knowing that like, this is my main artery to all these clients and just seeing it, it, having him be in on the writing process of it and like, you know, say, no, that's a bad idea. No, that's better. Yeah, that's a great idea. Go with that. Like directly in front of me kind of like set a little bit of a um, just kind of set the wheels turning with regard to that industry. Now, obviously, you know, writing songs for commercials is not, you know, doing Pink Floyd's The Wall. These are sure. very different yeah. things. Yeah. But um you know, it, as far as time goes, I don't know, six months of, of doing it. Mm-hmm. And and even in that six months, we still, you know, we still got, got a couple bids yeah, and, and yeah. that was great and stuff. Yeah. And, um, but you know, now it's a little bit more streamlined, kind of feel like, you know, we know what, mm-hmm. what people want and what they don't and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. 
And um, and that, like I said, it's a great asset. I'm not doing it as much now as I was then just because my time has been filled with, with a couple of other things. Yeah. But it's still a, a really great resource. And it, it, it really made me get back into writing songs without just immediately thinking they're terrible. Because, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's so easy to get totally inside your head and go like, oh, God, this is awful. After an hour of working on a song, you're just like, oh, this sucks. It's never going to be anything. Mm-hmm, it's a terrible mm-hmm, idea. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing it in that context you just have to get it done. You know, you right. just like have to submit something yeah. by that night at seven o'clock yeah, or whatever. It kind of makes me think about, you know, I don't know if you've, a lot of what you're, a lot of the things that you're touching on here, this is fantastic stuff, by the way. It's really awesome. And I, and I, you know, we are getting up to the second half. So I want to, you, you've, you've really laid out a lot of just gems oh, in good, this conversation, good, which is great. I mean, it's, it's been brilliant and it's really, uh, uh, this is the exact kind of thing that I'm after. Right, right on, to, awesome to, to, to put out there on this show for the for the audience and stuff. So that's been it's been really awesome. So thank you for dropping all of that knowledge. Oh yeah, man. Totally. And uh, I really like. There's a lot of other you know kind of stuff I want to circle back to and kind of like maybe yeah. unpack a little bit more. But yeah, it's been awesome. But um, I was gonna say a lot of what you're touching on is I don't know if you've read that Stephen Pressfield book, <laughs> The War of Art. It's probably on this podcast the one book that I end up recommend or I don't go no, that I've ever like, to read it. What, yeah. The War of Art? It's called The War of Art. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, really cool. So it's all about um, kind of sort of like the general mentalities that you're touching on. Uh, most of, I guess if I was going to like distill down the the, uh, the book to its thesis statement would be about sort of um, pushing through your own resistance. Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah, so totally, like, man. It's like what you're a lot of what you're talking about. Like, okay, I'm going to sit down and write a song, but then there's all this stuff that crops up. Like, right. oh, I don't have time, or you know, this sucks, or right. you know, I, you you come up with all these like all these things that like it's this mental game that somehow or another right. you talk your way out of doing the thing that you want to spend your life doing. Totally. You did, know, did you ever read the Steve Martin book, The Born Standing Up? Book? I never, I never did oh, read God. that. Well, so there's a quote that's like exactly what you're talking about right here, and and I'm. I'm going to try and quote it as warmly and accurately as I can, but but think of it more as a paraphrase. But he basically says something like he was uh, kind of coming to the middle of his, well, I said uh, early middle of his career. And, and Steve Martin had a long time where he really mm-hmm. didn't do much to speak of other than like working at Knott's Berry Farm doing magic tricks and stuff like uh-huh. that. And, um, and, and he basically said like, you know, he was coming to a crossroads and he decided in his head, he goes, but I wasn't going to let lack of time, talent, ambition or just good sense stop me from doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so like you got, I mean, obviously Steve Martin is very talented and I think he was yeah. probably being a little bit, uh, what's the word? Self-deprecating. Yeah. But I mean, even if somebody like Steve Martin, who's one of the most prolific writers, probably of his generation can say something like that, then, you know, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears into it. It's yeah. not just this like, you know, barrage of talent that was like dumped onto this guy mm-hmm, like he really right. worked for it sure you know? yeah and that's and 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 the more that we're seeing now with like a lot of these this generation of people like him and and different people i, I think probably stephen pressfield probably falls close to the same generation he he's been uh like he he wrote movie scripts so um one of his um i think it was the legend of bagger vance oh I, wow yeah I, I hope I'm not getting that wrong, but yeah, we'll look it up. Anyway, <laughs> that's a golf movie, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Who's in that movie? Do you uh, remember? Is Will Smith in that one? Will Smith and Anyway, uh, I I don't know. It, it, don't don't hold me to that. I could be wrong. There was some <laughs> kind of bigger golf movie, right? That he wrote. That he was like part of the script writing team. So he did like some script writing and stuff. Okay. And so like 
you know, and then he and then he he ended up kind of like you know taking his career in different places. He's written written some books, some fiction, some nonfiction. One of the nonfictions happens to be this War of Art. But I would say that he's probably kind of in the same maybe generation as people like Steve Martin. And there's a lot of like entertainers mm-hmm. who have who have had a really long career, you know, in that generation that now are kind of, they're putting out maybe their memoirs or they're putting right. out like, you know, stuff that they've had a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. And now it's like, they're at a time in their life where like, I have something to say about this, right, you right, know, right, yeah. and, and, and some kind of like message to put out there. And so we're, now we're seeing a lot of a proliferation of that kind of stuff coming out, which is pretty awesome because we get to be in the mind. Yeah. Uh, we oh get to, yeah. We can, because, because, you know, for the longest time, we did have that mentality of, like, this this barrage of talent just dumped on this person. Oh, and, like, they were just chosen out of right. the universe to be this lucky person or whatever. But then we're now getting to see, like, behind the curtain and see, right. no, all these people, they got to where they were because they 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 really worked their rear end off yeah. to get there. And it was really hard. And all the odds were against them, just like the, all the odds are against you and me and anybody right. else that might be listening to this. And it's a really – it puts perspective on things. Yeah, and, totally. And it, it kind of, like, helps you – kind of I guess not to sort of like revel in the misfortune of another person but to go okay this is where I'm at right now is normal totally. so I don't yeah. need to like I don't need to you know tell myself I'm a loser I'm not cut out for this right you well, know? and it's funny because like our whole you know everything about what comes at us nowadays is it's um, I, I don't, I'm going to steal this quote from someone but, and I don't remember who it was Basically, they were like, you know, you look on Instagram or you look on Facebook or, or you, um, you know, listen to the radio or you see people on TV or whatever, you know, and all of them are like 18 to 22. Yeah. They're always posting pictures of like the greatest meals that you'll never get. Yeah. You know, the coolest stages that you'll never be on. Um, you know, like the best co-writes that, you know, like with the coolest songwriters yeah. on the planet, like all of a sudden they're like drinking, you know, Jay-Z's vodka with Jay-Z yeah. or something like yeah. that. And the truth is like what you're looking at with everybody is just their greatest hits. Right. Like you're looking at like the highlight reel of their whole entire life. Yeah. And that's not reality for anybody. Right. You know, like it's not reality for the president of the United States, the queen of England, or you or me. Yeah. You know, like the reality is 90% of life is a grind, you know, and you got to find a way to make it awesome all the time. Yeah. And be cool with that. Yeah. And then you get to like revel in your, you know, greatest hits and, right. your, and your highlight totally. reel and stuff like totally. that. It's that much better. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like I think about that. I've thought about that a lot and how exactly like, you know, the proliferation of social media and as social media has um, become more sophisticated and a little bit more artistic or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, I guess sort of, you had all this like sort of social media came along and then somewhere around, I don't know, 2010 or something, it kind of evolved to the sort of like the next thing of social media. And like yeah. then when Instagram came around and it's like, now it's just sort of like this artistic vision based kind of thing. Right. And, and People exactly what you're saying. They stage their life in this way to present it in, in, in as something that's not actually real, and it's really funny because I thought about that. And there's been a couple of moments in life when going, just walking down the street, having that perspective, yeah, and seeing these moments that I that crack me up actually. These moments of actually seeing that happen in real life, like I was walking down the street the other day by a pumpkin patch mm-hmm. where they're, they're like, you know right now selling a bunch of pumpkins and people and there's all these like you know college girls are like going walking around in the pumpkin patch and then you've got one she goes she'll, i saw this girl take out her phone hand it to her friend and then like they spent a few minutes setting up this <laughs> shot to make her look really cute and like 
get the right <laughs> angle. Like, oh, yeah, and there's man. nothing against them necessarily. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're just having fun and all that. Totally. But, but I'm like, wow. I it's like I wish that I knew who that was so that I could follow him on Instagram to see what this picture looked like versus what my perspective right. of this situation was. Oh yeah, totally. You know, and like I've seen people do the same thing with like Snapchat and all this stuff. Like this moment of like people are just sitting there having this normal moment. There's nothing special about right. it. They get out their phones. Everybody gathers around, and all of a sudden, now. It's this like moment of like there everybody's got this certain kind of look on their face and right. they smile and make sure everything's just set perfect. They snap the photo and then immediately everything goes back to normal. Oh, totally. And it's a really kind of interesting place in life right now yeah. because that's a part of our social culture and like right. how we are, you know. And oh, when dude. you go on your phone all the time and all you see is like what you were talking about, yeah, all of a sudden you're going, "Man, that's not how it is for me. I'm right. a loser." Right. You know, and and it's but that's not real right you know you know it's funny i'm gonna tell on myself real quick but uh, uh, this was a couple months ago but um exactly like that man i went on a run one weekend um with uh well i'm not gonna say names it doesn't, doesn't really matter they're all great but um this is on me i went on a run one weekend and it was a bus run right and i was instagramming everything man mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. all the time yeah. instagram like when we yeah. pull into a stadium or whatever like instagram this and that and blah, blah blah on the bus you know outside the bus all stuff and then the next weekend i went on a run in a sprinter which is still great it's got like bunks in it and everything it's yeah. freaking awesome right and i didn't instagram once yeah. when i was in the sprinter yeah, yeah. and i like all of a sudden my dad asked me uh, he called me and he said hey man you in town i was like no i'm on i'm on the road and he goes um he goes, uh, he said, oh, I didn't see anything on Instagram. Awesome. And I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm such a jerk. Like, <laughs> and all of a sudden, like all of it came on me. I was like, geez, Louise, man. Like I was just, you yeah. know, a freaking slut yeah. for it last yeah, weekend yeah, for yeah. whatever reason, because right. it looked cool. Right. And now I think like, because it's in a sprinter and you know, we're not playing like to 10,000 people, right. it doesn't look that cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so stupid. I'm glad you hit on that too, because we're all like in a in a at a certain point, and we'll probably uh, we'll, we'll need to break. We're, we are at the halfway point, so okay, we'll cool. say this and we'll break for music. But um, yeah, just to speak to that, I'm glad you touched on that because we are all kind of like somewhat guilty of it. Um, you know, here or there, right? Yeah, totally. And, and it's an interesting thing that, like, when you're saying all that, makes me think of um, to kind of like I don't know this idea of like maybe yeah, really putting so to speak, I guess your money where your mouth is, that's not really the right expression for this, but like to say, Hey, you know, I'm really going to live what I preach here. And like, I'm going to use my Instagram to tell an authentic story. Right. I, the way that my, my vision for my life is that I can find extraordinary moments in every part of life, whether it's my greatest hits or just, I'm sitting here doing my morning routine or something, whether I'm on the big tour or just like, you know, the weekend or weekend warrior tour, you know, I'm going to take a moment to 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 really live that out and go. I can I can always enjoy this. Yeah. And 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 to prove it, I'm going to pull back the curtain and use my Instagram as a way to tell that story. That'd be a really cool story to tell. Yeah, man. Well, know? I mean, it's almost like they need to have a new filter called like reality, and yeah. basically, like it judges what you actually get yeah. to put on your yeah, Instagram yeah, yeah, yeah. or something <laughs> like that. You know, like yeah. no, you're making the situation yeah. look a lot yeah. better than it actually is. <laughs> That's awesome. I love yeah. that. I love that. I think you're onto something. Cool. Well, so we're at the halfway point. I'm going to do a quick, some quick promotional items, and then we'll play another song right and on. get into the second half. So, like I mentioned, I'm uh, your host, John Stinson. This is episode 23 of the Modern Recordists. Sitting here with Brad Sample, having an amazing conversation. This is really awesome. I'm excited about it, and uh, it's really speaking to me. And um, 
and I'm sure it's there's there's got to be a couple of you that's speaking to as well. Um, great stuff, and uh, so yeah, this is the Modern Recordist, um, and uh, um, yeah, it's the podcast that I do, and I've uh, been having a lot of fun doing it, and um, you know I've always got a lot of irons in the fire, and in addition to this podcast, I do a lot of production work. Um, studio production work and um, that's a lot of fun so I got uh, I, I do some writing on um, recording and producing and, and things like that I try to put out a decent amount of content that uh, creates meaning and is uh, informative for for you guys so if you get something out of this podcast you'll definitely get something out of that and you can go to my website johnstinson.com that's j-o-n-s-t-i-n-s-o-n.com there's no h in john so that's a little tricky uh, just go there and check it out. I've got a lot of stuff. You can check, hit my blog. You can um, hit a bunch of uh, past episodes of this podcast with great guests and uh, great ideas that uh, I try to put out there in these other shorter episodes called the 15-Minute Mixdown. In addition to that, I've got a resource called Recording Drums 101. So the idea there is to just, uh, you know, recording drums can be a really complex process that overwhelms you and derails you from your creative process. So don't even worry about that. Check out Recording Drums 101 and uh, just I've got templates there that you can basically just copy and you don't even have to think about what you're doing and you can focus on recording great music and making a great record and writing and documenting your awesome songs. So check all that out at johnstinson.com. Uh, next, I want to give a shout out to J.D. Tyner. He drops in from time to time on this yeah. podcast. Um, yeah, Brad just uh, just got to meet him. He's a great dude. Yeah, studio's um, killer, too. Yeah. It's a pretty great place. So he's the main man here at this studio behind uh, it's uh, Glass Onion Recording. And this is uh, pretty much his vision, his design. Yeah, I, I ended up coming in here a couple of years ago to make this place my home base, but he's the main man behind the operation, and it's a brilliant place. So... Check that out. Um, there's a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash glassonionrec. Go like the page and check out what's going on there. JD posts a lot of, of things. Um, there's a lot of people he works with coming through here and work that he does. And go check that out and like the page. Uh, and then uh, Parrish. Parrish uh, drops in uh, from time to time as well, and he helps me out with uh, engineering stuff and post-production work on this podcast. Uh, he's a producer-engineer. Um, he works with uh, a team of dudes, uh, Villain Place. They do some really cool work in video marketing and branding and uh, different things like that. Um, he does uh, some production work and recording and engineering as well. So check him out at jonathanpaulparish.com. And uh, that's that's it for uh, my little promotional moment here. And uh, let's uh, get into the second half of the show with, uh, yeah, let's hit another song and uh, let's do it, man.
Yeah, that was killer, man. Thanks, so dude. So talk about that for a sec. Well, so that's what I've been doing for the last uh, year and a half, I guess. Um, uh, that was a record by a gal named Mindy McHugh. I produced it um, with my buddy Bobby Holland. Uh, cool. Yeah, we cut yeah. it up there. I kind of, I, I kind of picked up on that. I, I, I know. Uh, I guess, I guess I'm familiar enough with Bobby and his work and his production, like just his style or whatever. That I kind of figure. I kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's a really Bobby it's cool. mix. Yeah, like it's, cool. it's, it's yeah. uh, you know, I, I feel like his, you know, mixes are kind of his like his his shining glory. He's just got a really great aesthetic and a really good mm-hmm, feel, especially mm-hmm. for stuff like that. That's a little left to center. Mm-hmm. You know, he um he's he's just got. Left to, left to center in a creative, yeah. Not left to center in a literal like. Yeah, like, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, sorry, not stereo spectrum <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but he, uh, but so we, uh, Mindy is an old friend of mine. I was playing guitar for her for a long time, and um, and she made a couple of records that were just I didn't ever really feel like were her, and um, and then she got really screwed in this one deal, you know, as happens so, so regularly, unfortunately in, in this industry. And it just broke my heart. And, um, again, I was talking to my girlfriend. She's way smarter than me and also fantastic human being. And, you know, I was talking about Wanda get back into making records and stuff like that. And she called me out and she was like, well, if you're going to say that you actually have to make a record, you know, have to start making records or something yeah. like that. And yeah. so, um, and she was a lot nicer, then I'm making it sound about it and it happened over a couple of conversations, but that was the gist of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Mindy said she, you know, wanted to go in and make another record and I just didn't want to see her get totally screwed again. So I, um, said, well, Hey, let me do it. And, uh, we got together and started writing songs and we wrote, uh, six songs for that record. Killer. Yeah. And, um, and that was, that's not anywhere close to the single. I think it's one of the coolest sounding songs on the project. It's real dark and mm-hmm. the rest of it's kind of this like, you know, R and B, um, fun thing and that's definitely the most dramatic tune on the album but it's one of my favorites mm-hmm. I thought it turned out really cool mm-hmm. and so uh, so yeah we got together wrote the songs and then I went into kind of pre-production for a while and um, trying to decide like the line between really organic cool uh, you know like honest sounds and and uh, trying to make it still feel uh, you know like it's what's the word viable in a pop mm-hmm. pop mm-hmm. world and stuff like mm-hmm. that and and uh, and so again, I had my buddy Adam Bokesh, who I do a bunch of the licensing work with. He did all the programming on that, and um, and we just found a really cool environment. My um, my friend Kyle Whalem played bass on it. I played drums cool. and guitar. Bobby and I kind of split the guitar. Yeah, world. I believe I went to I believe I went to Belmont with Kyle. Yeah, also. Yeah. yeah, Kyle and yeah. Hans Nelson. Yeah. You know Hans Nelson. Yeah, keyboard yeah, player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that band was me on drums and Hans and Kyle. Um, and then I think Bobby and I both played guitar on that one, and then uh, Adam Bokish did the programming. But and Mindy just sang her face off on the whole record. Yeah. She really did a great job. But so yeah, that's what I've been kind of really trying to uh, gear myself mm-hmm. myself towards for the next you know like next chunk of my life yeah. is is doing stuff like that. Uh, you know, like I, I really enjoy making records and making music for people. I mean, I know you do the same yeah. thing. So it's yeah. just like, I don't really think there's anything quite as fulfilling as that, um, uh, that type of creating, at least for me, you know, I, mm-hmm. I really, really love it. And I love, you know, all different kinds of music and all different kinds of as- aspects of it. But, you know, I'm trying to be intentional in what I choose to do. You know, I've already got kind of like the uh, in the sync world, like you kind of have to wear every hat yeah. all the time. And I'm, yeah. you know, there, th- I, I feel like, you know, we do it in an okay way, 
but there's definitely like certain sounds and certain kinds of music that I feel like I'm really, really good at. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, you know, I'm learning that every day. And, yeah. and that, that kind of stuff that, you know, like little, you know, like we said, a little bit left of center figuratively yeah, yeah. is the kind of stuff that I, I, I kind of gravitate towards. Yeah. I like writing it. I like being involved with it. Yeah. I like yeah. singing it and playing it. And it's yeah. just kind of where yeah. my, um, instincts go you know i remember having a really big fight with my my own mind over the last three or four years until about until well until i guess i started working on on records for people just like you know i was getting hired by all these artists to play guitar for them mm-hmm. and all of a sudden this one day I, w- I was singing for somebody and i realized like man i like i don't sound like me anymore at all like i'm mm-hmm. you know one of the first gigs that i got that was the their biggest um uh, um, not hang up, but they, I mean, I guess it was a hang up, but the thing that, that, that I got talked to from the band leader all the time was, man, you gotta, you gotta sing differently. You gotta like be mm. more invisible. You gotta stop mm. sticking out so much. Mm. You gotta this, that. And even with guitar playing and stuff like that, it was like, you know, very much, you know, and this is where the dividing line between what we were talking about, like learning your job and doing your job and then learning yourself is, yeah. you know, like sometimes you just have to show up and just do it. You right. know, you got to find a way to be invisible. You got to find a way to just yeah, play the I think, lick. Uh, was it like Woody Allen was saying something about like seven, I remember what the exact quote, but sometimes I think it's like 70% or 80%. But anyway, let's just say 70%, he said 70% of the, t- um, 70% of success is just showing, showing up. up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that's like, you know, you know, in some cases you really do have to just like show up and, and just do it, you know, Mm -hmm. just like show up and do your job. And then other times, like, like I said, all of a sudden about a year and a half ago or so I had, it hit me really hard. I was like, man, well, I feel good every time I play for somebody because I can do it, but I don't really like, you know, much what I'm playing. I -hmm. I wouldn't play any of this stuff, you know, like I wouldn't sing this way or this part or Mm -hmm, whatever, mm -hmm. ever at all. And so I kind of started exploring that a little bit and trying to kind of find myself inside of that again. And, um, and so, you know, that's where a lot of this came in. It was like, all of a sudden I realized, well, you know, I'm not really great at just like playing straight up pop guitar, or like mm-hmm. singing straight up pop vocals. I yeah. mean, I can do it if I need to, but it's definitely not where like my, um, it's not the thing that I'm excellent at. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, you know, I'm still not in a place where I can turn down work but hopefully someday you know if i get offered you know i'll be in a place where like if i get offered a gig that i don't feel like i can take and i feel like somebody else would be better for i'll be able to be like nah man like you should really go with this guy right here yeah or like a record comes along or whatever and i have done that i you know i i have said no to a project just because i i really didn't think that i was the guy for the Mm -hmm. job yeah but um, but so like yeah, the last last year and a half or so has been a lot of me kind of learning where I can really be excellent and, yeah. and do something yeah. that I'm super super proud of. Yeah, that's cool, and, man. Um, that's yeah. really cool. And uh, yeah, it sounds like of all like your your path and like like I was saying before we played the the music, I want to circle back around to um and kind of maybe yeah. maybe if we can like pick out some of these mindsets because like. You know, the mindset that basically you've demonstrated on this podcast episode is the essence of what this is. This podcast is steeped in, and it's really oh, good. very on the same level of of my kind of state of mind and my way of thinking about Ethos, things. And so, yeah. yeah, totally. And a lot of what you said has really resonated with me, and, and, and in a lot of cases, um, you know, resonated with me 
even uh, like right now. It's very timely kind oh, of good, because man. you know, and a lot of the things that I um, that I talk about on this podcast, I talk about them because it's. I guess sort of a lesson that I'm learning yeah. now. Yeah, you know? totally, totally, man. And um, and so uh, yeah, man. A lot of th- things that you've been they've been saying is like speaking to me and and all that. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm there's just been so much stuff that you dropped on this podcast, and I'm just trying to like you know process it and like pull out some of the things. But um, yeah, it's like your experience and and all the things that you've done have really led up to this powerful moment. And really I can tell like just um, in the time that I've known you just like really shaped your mindset oh, man. in such a powerful way. And and not only that, even like the, the sort of, I guess accountability and um, uh, what would be the, 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 the sort of counsel hmm. sort of relationship that you've built with your girlfriend. She sounds like an amazing Oh dude. Woman. Awesome. Man. Yeah. yeah. Who just really just speaks perspective directly yeah. in, and yeah. so like, you know, that's something that amongst this conversation that we've that we've had, and you've sort of mentioned a couple of moments where she said, "Well, she sat down and like she said this." Yeah, and it, well, and I have to I have to say something right there because if my dad hears this, he'll he'll kick my butt. But uh, he always says when I tell him something brilliant that Rebecca says, he goes, "I told you that five years ago." <laughs> so I do have to give my dad yeah, credit, yeah, because he has probably told me a lot of these things yeah. many, many times. Yeah. Well, it's but, interesting, but it's, you know. It's been the same yeah. thing. Like two, two really, like people that know me fastly and well in my life have shaped a lot of the last five years of my life in in as big a way as I could ever hope it to be. And you know, it, I, that right there also brings up another thing that I've thought about. Um, to get kind of for a moment really heady about things because because yeah. that's kind of what I do. But so <laughs> sometimes, like I've had situations where the exact same situation, right? Um, I I get this advice from someone. I'm like, that's really good advice. I go do it. It's good. Yeah. And then I go back to whoever it may be, a parent or someone else who, a friend or something. Well, I already right. told you that. <laughs> and then you, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe, I guess you kind of did say that. Right. But, what it, you know, and then I've also been on the other end of it where I'm like saying this to this person and it's just sort of like bouncing off right, of them. And, yeah. and I'm like walking away going, they they don't value me. They don't they don't regard me as a person who really like as a wise person. It's like I'm speaking it and I kind of take it personally. Yeah. And then they go to somebody else and they and they um they get that advice and they go do it and I come back and I'm like, well, I said that, you know. Right. And then after enough of experiences being on both ends of that, you know, from one feeling like kind of like resentful of a person, like, yeah, you didn't tell me this. You don't want to admit that they did. Right. And then also being on the other end saying you know, oh, they don't respect me or what What do I need to do different? Like I, one day it just kind of clicked. It's like, you know what? It's about sometimes you, it's just about, it's about who you hear it from. Yeah. Yeah. You and know timing I, mean? I think has a lot yeah. to do with it too. Yeah. Like, like, you know, there, I'm sure there've been things that, you know, my girlfriend has told me that my dad all of a sudden tells me and it blows my mind. But, but yeah, like the person that you hear it from and the place that you are in your life, like as far as being ready to hear it, um, you know, there are a million old poems and it's all over the Bible and stuff like that about like, you know, soil only being ready for seed at a certain time mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I feel like your mind's the same way. It's like, sometimes you're just not ready to hear some yeah. stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, and so my dad's a super wise, really smart guy. And, um, and I, you know, God, I hope that there's like some back catalog of stuff that I've forgotten that I'm going to remember again yeah. one day that he said to me because yeah. he's just a well of it. But yeah, you know, back to the 
um, the, the, the kind of confidants and things like that. Like it's, you know, like having somebody like that, that you can really just like say what you're feeling and not be, you know, not feel like you're ever going to be judged about it, but then also hear like the real and ultimate truth from him. Yeah. Man, like whatever you're doing, whether you're like going and getting your freaking contracting license to make houses or you want to like, you know, I don't know, work at a grocery store or something like that. Like, like if you have ambitions and goals, which I feel like everybody does, it, 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 it's so doing it with someone is so much better than not with someone, Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, yeah. because like if you have somebody that can be honest with you and Frank, Stuff happens so much faster, man. Right. Because you and, have a, a great mirror to and, look at yourself. Yeah, that, and not only that, but also somebody who themselves is a go-getter. And you put yeah. yourself around. I've had experiences in my life where I put myself around people. Or, you know, I just, maybe I'm not, you know, I, I'm not intentional about what I, how right. I, my circle of friends or whatever and what I'm doing. And I'm not really, I'm not really intentional about anything. And then I've had other moments in my life where I'm intentional about stuff. And I put myself around other people who are intentional and just being next to them. Like I had an experience with a friend of mine not long ago that I saw him, uh, you know, go from like, like, huh, you know, I think I kind of want to, he had an idea for a direction he wanted to go with like yeah. his career and going from like, uh, just like sort of idea. It might be an idea. I might want to do this too. Now I'm making money on this. Like it was probably a month. Oh, wow. You know, and geez, that's awesome. And, and just to look at that and go, my mind is blown. Like yeah. what? And just all of a sudden now it just, it, it, I felt something shift in me. Yeah, totally. For me, you know, and going, wow, that's what's possible. Yeah. That's what's possible. And all of a sudden you just start, it just gives you perspective about yourself. Oh, yeah. So man. being in proximity about, with people like that, you know, and people that are really good, um, it's not about judgment, like you said. It's about actively listening and, and, and having a mind to be able to say, okay, well, this person is telling me these things and using this, these words, but I'm able to see what's behind that right. and address that yeah. you know, and talk to them about that, and then that's a really powerful thing. So I just wanted to bring that up because, yeah, totally. you, because, you, because you mentioned it twice and, and it really stuck out to me and the importance of having – you know, a significant other is a certain powerful flavor of oh, that yeah. type of person. For sure. But even, you know, and then, you know, if you don't have a significant other, whatever, it doesn't have to be that person. You know, there's, there's just to have yeah. one or two people in your life. Yeah, for sure. That can play that role. And it's not about judgment. It's just about like, okay, cool. Like you're saying this, I'm not judging you. I'm, I'm noticing what you're like the higher level of what you're really saying. Right. Here, yeah, totally. Know? Being yeah. able to see through a veil is a really big deal yeah. when you're trying to get somewhere, you know, yeah. because we all lie to ourselves all the time. Yeah. It's one of the easiest things to do, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah, man, but, but B's been great for that. She's just a great gal and, and, and also super ambitious, man. She's, she's a go-getter for sure. So that's killer. Yeah. So as we've been talking about your story and the things, you know, all, all these, um, different things that you did and some things that you were fired up about that didn't maybe you know didn't pan, pan out, out. Yeah. and then and then going okay you know i don't really want to do this but i'm gonna do it and then that and then once you step into it seeing okay it it took you kind of stepping like just trusting and stepping into this thing that's like i'm not really fired up to do this but i'm gonna step into it anyway to right. see beyond it yeah right yeah if you hadn't stepped to done that initial kind of like i'm gonna get past this BS that I don't want to do it and right. just get into it. If yeah. you hadn't have taken that initial step, you wouldn't have been able to see what it led to. Oh, for right? sure. Yeah, you know? totally. So you've done all these things and how these experiences and, and kind of like looking back, seeing kind of how that shaped you. And it's been this really cool, profound, powerful lesson 
Um, what do you feel like is kind of maybe the one or two key things that have that you've pulled out from those experiences that have like hmm. I know this is kind of like a yeah. high level question, but it's like the essence of like what kind of shaped you and what you learned from that. Well, you know, it's funny. We I think I think we just hit on it a second ago. I, I think that the two things that are that are big most that seem to me, I mean, I just turned 30. So I'm, you know, I'm not like, it's not like I'm a 70 year old sage saying some Mm -hmm. kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, crazy, you know, universal wisdom or anything like that. But as far as what I've learned, I'm going to say them in reverse. It seems like the, the, the two things that were most important for me were like learning, um, learning what I actually wanted to do, like what I was actually good at learning my job, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so when people ask me what I what I do, I say I'm a guitar player. Mm-hmm. Now I do a lot of other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I write songs. I you know I I produce records. I you know like play on the yeah. road. I play drums. I do. But as far as like like the job that I feel like I have on this earth as like a job is to play guitar, mm-hmm. right? So that's my job. Mm-hmm. And and there's going to be parts about that that I'm really passionate about and love. And parts about that that are going to be a job, mm-hmm. you know. Fortunately, I love it, right? Mm-hmm. And I've I've been super blessed to be able to do it now as a vocation. So, but so learning your actual job, and then learning like who you are outside and inside of that job, because if like, so and, and I think learning who you are is the most important part yeah. about all that stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, like I hope this doesn't sound like I'm just you know fielding a question and saying something really lofty. I really do think it's true. Yeah. Like, like learning, learning who you are is probably the most important thing you can do. And I see it, man. Like I have, you know, uh, not so many friends now because, you know, I'm at an age where most people are, 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 are pretty comfortable with, with who they are. But mm-hmm. I remember as a young man and now like starting to get clients that are wanting to, you know, cut a demo or cut a song mm-hmm. or write or whatever. I, I see a lot of these younger people and it's just like, I don't think you know who you are and I don't think you actually want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like if you knew who you were, I don't think you'd be doing this. Yeah. You know, like um, I, there are a couple of, of younger kids. I say kids. I mean, they're like in their twenties or something like that, but that I like make it a real effort to go and hang out with and like go to their shows and yeah. encourage them to keep doing it because I really feel like it's, and I try. I was trying to tell him like this is gonna suck. Like there's gonna be parts that are gonna be really bad. Mm-hmm. But I, f- I do feel like of the you know however many you know people that you know kids that are younger than me that are, are trying to do this thing that I that I know and have been in some way indirectly or directly involved with. There's like two that I really make an effort to encourage and and say yeah keep going mm-hmm. like you know like when you know they have a bad show or like lose a gig or whatever i try and make sure that i'm like there to yeah. hang out yeah. you know go get a beer go get a cup of coffee whatever you know like hey, it happens to everybody keep rocking you're yeah. doing the right yeah. thing but that's two of probably a, a hundred yeah that i actually feel like should be doing this thing. yeah okay and so the like learning about yourself like it's just so much more fulfilling to do what you're actually supposed to do. And that takes knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, you can like be completely frustrated all the time 
thinking that you want to do something, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, like whether it's something your parents told you your whole entire life or whether it's like something you have in your head that you feel like you have to be doing that mm-hmm. you're hung up on because really deep down you just want to be famous or really deep down you just want to be super hot and pretty or whatever. Yeah. And I'm not judging that at all because that, I mean, that was me when I was in Rome with Bulls. I wanted to be the biggest rock star in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be standing on a stage in front of a, a hundred million thousand people with all of them screaming my name saying that I was the sexiest thing yeah. that's ever been, right? That's what we want. Uh, and a hundred million know. thousand, that's a big number. I know, it's a really big number. You watch out, dude. I don't even think they know how to write that one yet. But um, but anyway, so like, you know, that was, you know, when we, when we start breaking down that stuff and find out, you know, like who, who we really, really are, I think stuff gets easier. I, you know, yeah. like, like right now in, in my life, you know, there's a lot of bad and a lot of good. And, and I'm, I'm finding myself dealing with both sides way better than I ever have in my whole entire life. And I don't have it figured out, man. I mean, yeah. there's a, there's, I cannot wait to learn more every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, like I, I'm learning more and more and more who I am all the time. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, makes me say no to to records that, yeah. I, that I feel like I'm not going to do a good job yeah. at, it. and it makes me say yes and push and push and push and pursue and pursue and pursue on other opportunities that I know I'm going to crush. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this thing. There's this guy named James Riley. He's a writer, and he was talking about humility and the essence of humility and all this kind of stuff. And he basically said, like, humility is the grace, um, is the absolute confidence in the and the grace in knowing that it's not all on you. And, and, and mm. all of a sudden that hit me like a million pounds of like, you know, brick wall, whatever you want to say. It was just like, okay, you can be super, super humble and still know that you're absolutely awesome at this thing. And mm-hmm. what that does is it all of a sudden like parts the water and lets you see what you need to take time doing and what you need to not yeah. concern yourself with, Yeah, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so like, it's, you know, th- there are so many things that I feel like distract us all the time. And if we knew ourselves a little bit better, we wouldn't waste so much time. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah. Hey, we're, this is, man, this is, this is, uh, this has been great. Oh, good. This has been, you've <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can't say enough about, um, about how awesome, I mean, we're like, we're getting, close to the end i mean we got a little bit more time but i just want to i just that's why i just wanted to take a moment to say like i i can't say enough about how much what you're saying is resonated with me and i know it resonates with people listening because um essentially you know the based on the feedback that i've gotten so far with this show people i know that it resonates with them and because you know enough of like the essence of like truly who I am is steeped into this show, and it's like really a truly a part of me. Yeah, awesome. You know, dude. Um, I, I know that it resonates out there with the people listening. Yeah, and so I really, yeah. I really do appreciate you coming on and like, um, you know, like maybe it didn't seem like you had to like really step into like a vulnerable place or whatever, but I do feel like you've been like honest oh, like really yeah. honest about you know who you are and 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 the lessons you've learned and things and it's been really profound and really insightful and so yeah i really do appreciate it. this has been this is definitely there's there's uh this is a standout episode definitely oh, a good well episode. i appreciate the opportunity to I hang personally out personally <laughs> have come away with some things here that's great good you know dude, right on so um so yeah that quote that really spoke to me too and that was um 
That's pretty cool. I will. Uh, I'll get with you once the show is over to make sure because I want to put that in the show notes too. Yeah, James uh, Riles. Oh, he's yeah. just an awesome writer, great guy, um, and, and and super smart. Yeah, so. killer man. Yeah. So I will. Um, there's uh, there's two. We've got just a few minutes left, and so there's like you know, hopefully, we have time for this. There's two questions that I want to ask. One of them I've never asked before. Be interesting. I've heard it asked on other podcasts, so I'm gonna steal it. Um, you said you just recently turned thirty, mm-hmm. and so. Looking back, um, what would you say to your 20-year-old self? Chill out. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, take it easy, man. It, it's, you know, like, I, I remember being 20 years old and, um, you know, if, if I would have known what my life was going to look like right now, I, I feel like I would have been so, so much less stressed about proving everything to everybody all the time Mm -hmm. you know um it's i didn't realize i didn't have any perspective on time and how long most good things in life take to make happen you know like i'm you know i'm looking at you know my career my hopeful hopefully my career as a you know producer and writer and stuff like that and, I, you know, I'm looking at a 10-year plan right now. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty much sure that I'm going to have to be on the road for the next two, four, five years. And I'm, I'm like, now at this point in my life, like, I'm cool with that, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I still like it. Don't get me wrong. I don't like being gone all the time. I miss my family and my friends and stuff. But, um, but like, I, I'm, I'm at a place now where it's like, okay, you know, for the most part, you know, I can be actively working on this and making stuff happen and making headway and a miracle might happen. Like you said, you had your buddy that like started doing something in a month. That's freaking yeah. awesome. Yeah. But I would say, you know, that's, that's a rare thing. Sure. You know, sure. Um, and, and, and Buku's to him, man. And yeah. I mean more, I was just kind of using that to- as, a, as yeah, a, totally. to put perspective on like, like when you take just like relentless action on something, y- yeah. what's, what's possible. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. And, and that is totally possible. But so like, you know, to to twenty year old Brad, I you know I, I would say like, man, you know, chill out, really, really try and you know enjoy um, everything that you do, and not just make it a means to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I I wasn't uh, super good at, at living presently mm-hmm. most of the time when mm-hmm. I was in my early twenties, mm-hmm. and it, it took a lot of. Um, you know, because I had such huge aspiration, and I still do. Like, you know, I still have really big expectations and aspirations for myself, but I'm trying to focus on more of like a journey mindset and, um, and, and enjoying, enjoying that part of it. Mm-hmm. So my friend Kyle and I, the, the bass player, Kyle Whalen and I, we just did, we like running these things called ultra marathons, right? Yeah. 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 I've caught some of this stuff that you've been, yeah, yeah. this is pretty killer. So we just finished our first, um, hundred mile race. That's killer. Yeah. It was insane, dude. Yeah. And it took like, I mean, I think he finished in 20, right at 27 hours, and I finished in right at 28 hours, right? And, um, and it, it, you know, you're literally on your feet running for 100, 100 miles, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, and it, it's the, the, the there, you know, there's a million reasons why I like running. But one of the really cool things about doing these big, long deals is it's like the distillation of a lifetime in a day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're on this kind of journey, right? And you have this goal in mind and you have the end in mind. And I remember crossing the finish line and I was, a, I was in a bad way, man. I was like, I was hurting really bad mm-hmm. and tired and mm-hmm. just like, you know, 
my sweet girlfriend again, she, she showed up kind of out of the blue and, and uh, ended up running up the trail like six or seven miles and running the last set. So she ran like 14 miles that day to hang out with me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that was, yeah, super awesome. Right. She's just great. But, um, but so anyway, I, I remember crossing the finish line and crossing the finish line was super cool. Right. Mm -hmm. Super awesome. Mm -hmm. But that is not at all my favorite memories from that race. Not even close. Hmm. You know, like I got it done. Yeah. And you get this cool belt buckle and you get to tell people that you ran a hundred effing miles. Yeah. Like that's yeah. pretty cool, right? Yeah. yeah. But is that like the best part of that? Not, not even close. Hmm. There were so many other things in that, you know, day. Like I was with one of my best friends in the world for like 85 miles of this thing. And then yeah. also the lesson of knowing like, man, I'm moving slow right now. I got to let him go. Like he, I don't want to be a hindrance to my buddy right here. I had a knee issue that we had to work out and stuff like that. And I was mm-hmm. having trouble moving down hills as fast as him. Mm-hmm. And so like, that was a really big lesson and also a really cool moment for us. We trained mm-hmm. so long to run this whole thing together and we didn't get to finish together, but it really didn't matter. It was still this like, you got it, man, go yeah. for it. I'll see yeah. it. I'll see you at the end. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So like, I feel like, you know, it, like I said, 20 year old Brad, chill out, dude. Enjoy the ride a little yeah. bit. Killer, you know? man. Yeah. What an awesome story. There's so much more that I could ask you about that. It brings up so many more questions and it just, it just, uh, I'll have to do all part, that, part yeah, two. All that means is we're going to have to do part two. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to make that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to be back on dude, the show we'll for do sure, it, man. man. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. This is killer. Awesome, man. Well, um, uh, the last thing that I'll ask you, and then we'll play a song. We just got a few minutes left. Um, what uh, this one? The 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 thing about this show is um, your artistic vision. It's like, you know, I'm always saying, go out, uh, live your extraordinary life of an artistic visionary. Yeah. What uh, What would you say is your your artistic vision? Hmm. Man, my artistic vision. I, you know, I I feel like honesty probably has a lot to do with it. Like I was talking to my buddy Dustin Kirkendall a little bit ago. And, um, and he's a, a producer as well. Great producer. He's actually my first roommate. I moved out of my folks house when I was 18 and he was my first roommate and we've been really good buds for geez, like 13 years now, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were talking about, um, music and how like so often right now, you know, like we feel like even our friends that are killing it, um, aren't super happy with what they're killing it with. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, we were talking about like uh, you know, we deal with, you know, executives and managers and all kinds of stuff all the time that are asking us to do certain things that we're just like, why? Like, you don't even like this. Like, you don't even mm-hmm. like what you're asking me to do. And I certainly don't like doing it, you know, as far as like style and kinds of writing and stuff that's just like it right now, really mm-hmm. popular right now. And I remember him saying something that blew my mind. He goes, he goes, dude, truthfully, nobody's really making any money right now doing this anyway. So if you're going to do it, you might as well make the coolest stuff that you wow. can possibly make. Great advice. Yeah. And it, it hit me like, uh, there again, I'm, I said this before, but it just hit me like a brick wall. And it was like, geez, man. Like, yeah, I might get a thousand bucks to go and do this thing. And sometimes you have to do that. Like I said, we've talked about this. We've said this, you know, a thousand times. Sometimes you just need to do your job. But like you know, more and more, my artistic vision, you know, for my life and hopefully for everybody else's life is whatever you choose to do, whatever you feel like is in you deep down inside that you are cultivating and growing and learning about all the time, be as honest with yourself as you possibly can and make it awesome. Because, you know, like right now, everything is in so much turmoil, Mm -hmm. you know, like, 
you know, th- this is way big, but you know, you could get into like income gaps and it's like, it's literally printed across every industry now, like now in the music industry, you know, there are people that are making absolute gobs of money, but you know, most people aren't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's the same in banking. It's the same in real estate, whatever. Like, you know, there's this huge disparity between like money, the bottom line dollars and cents. And the truth is like, it really doesn't matter. Like you can make a quick buck doing something if you feel like you really have to. But I think the most fantastic stuff that stands the test of time that people appreciate that legitimately changes the world for the better is when you are relentlessly and ruthlessly honest with yourself and make the most, um, make, make the best version of what you do in this world possible. And, wow. and I think that's, I think that is the thing that I'm constantly trying to find out about myself mm-hmm. right now is like, what is the most me that I can make? Um, that, you know, what, what, what kind of art is the most me and how do I do that? Excellent. Awesome. Uh, yeah. That's killer, man. Wow. <laughs> Super inspiring. Okay. Dude, I want to acknowledge you for all the, uh, the the great wisdom that you had to come on this oh, podcast man. and share today. Well, thanks, and like, dude. You've been an amazing standout guest. You've really spoken to me. I want to acknowledge you for that. I want to acknowledge you for your honesty and your wisdom. Oh, man. And, and, and the really the great things you're doing. You're, the great things you're doing. Thanks, man. dude. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it was learned from other people, so I can't take all the credit for it. But awesome. uh, m- most of it was probably awesome. learned from other people. But, but well, yeah. cool, man. I mean, that's all we can do in this life, right? Is like learn yeah. great things and pass it on. So, um, where can people find out more about you and follow up and all that? Um, well, so I do have a website. It's down right now, but you know, I'm on Facebook and on Instagram. Brad Sample. Just look up Brad Sample. I'm the guy with the guitar. Uh, Run with Bulls. My band, the band that I was in. There's still a website there, and all that stuff is on iTunes and whatnot. But but honestly, right now I'm doing most of my, um, like, like posting about, you know, what I'm doing and whatnot on Instagram. So if you just okay. look up Brad sample uh, on Instagram, cool. that's where it's an easy cool. way to get a hold we'll of me We'll link to that. We'll link to your, your Instagram yeah. in the show notes and stuff and make that the main thing that we promote. Yeah, here. totally, so, man. Cool, man. Right awesome. On. Um, yeah, great, man. Well, that's gonna, that's, uh, episode 23 and this has been, uh, the modern recorders has been a standout episode. This has been amazing. I've had an amazing time sitting here talking and, uh, learned a lot, came away with a lot. I'm sure you did too. Um, yeah, so make sure that you are subscribed to the modern recordist on iTunes. Um, get over there and hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And, uh, there's, there's 22 other episodes just like this. Um, well maybe not just like this, but each one has something wonderful and unique about it. And, uh, and, um, yeah, so don't miss any of them. Get subscribed, um, get up to date and, uh, make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Cause, uh, we're going to have some, we got some more great guests planned and we're definitely going to get Brad back on. Yeah, there's man, there's a lot to more back. to talk about. We're going to do a part two for sure. So uh, do that and uh, drop us a review, a rating as well. Good uh, ratings and reviews. Keep us relevant in the charts and make sure that uh, we're up there and, and this gets out there to people that, um, that want to hear this show and that it would resonate with. And if you have a friend or two, make sure you share it with them as well. So that's it for this episode. Uh, There will be more for you next week. In the meantime, go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and create something impactful in the world. We're going to play you out with one last song. Yes, this is uh, Kendra Chantel on a record that we will hopefully get to make this next year. She's awesome. Oh, yeah, Yeah. she's so great, dude. So, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get this uh, record finished up here next year, but this is the tune. I got lost in the water. I 
see 